Greetings, ladies and mental gents, and it is time, finally, for Why Humans Make Bad Familiars, book number two. If you're new to the series, there is a link to the original book with all the chapters. But if you're excited for this like me, then let us continue. Book two, chapter one. Jake's point of view. Two days after Sumer and I had left camp, and she was on her way to meet the Drakes in the fortified city of Antonella. I laid in bed waiting to fall asleep. I thought about how the test ended, still guilt-ridden over accidentally hurting those Niema. Slowly, my eyes grew heavy as I fell into a deep sleep. I had hoped I would dream of how things were before I disappeared the day of the test, before I ever met Suma so many years ago, or even of just relaxing in Suma's world. I wanted to take my mind off of everything, to escape. But instead, there was only darkness. Darkness and him. Hello, Sentinel. The kinder half that his figures said. The reptilian man made a fire that I had met almost a year ago. You're getting stronger. Who are you? I asked while I hung in that darkness, that bottomless nothingness. He always appeared to me in. You said last time that you were my friend. And my doom. Yes! He yelled, and more reptilian sights started to take over. Doom, doom, to all of Atmosia! Why? What did they do to you? I asked. Not them, the dragons, the traitors! I don't understand. Then allow me to show you. Images began to flash in my mind. Places, events, things I've never done, seen, or known. They were fragmented, twisted, even overlapping with one another, like I was seeing two sets of events that happened at the same time. From two angles, two points of view. There were emotions tied to the memories. Love, protection, fear, betrayal, grief, pride, and more. It was too much, too overwhelming. I couldn't take it. Ah! I cried out as the images burned themselves into my head. Enough for now, kinder, more human side said. Jake, Jake, another more distant voice called out. The master calls its pet. I'll leave you to absorb and learn and grow for now. But we will meet again. With that, I woke up in bed, drenched in sweat. Mansuma yelling in my ear. Jake, Jake, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I rubbed my temples to try and get rid of the throbbing pain in them. Thank goodness. I've been trying to summon you for five minutes now, but couldn't even contact you. It felt like you didn't exist. She said, worried. What happened? Where have you been? I don't uh, know how to explain it. I swung my feet over the side of the bed and took a drink of the water bottle I had in my nightstand. Are you okay? Yeah. Just give me a minute to get dressed before you summon me. I said, putting the bottle down and rubbing my temples again. Okay, Jake. Just let me know when you're ready. Tua said, still sounding concerned. I stood up and went to the bathroom and rubbed a washcloth on my face. I bent down to put my face over the sink and started washing it, massaging my eyes and enjoying the feeling of the cool water on my mouth and eyes. I put the washcloth down and opened my eyes, then jumped back and fell over. It wasn't my face in the mirror. It was the figure of flame. I scrabbled on the floor for a second as my flight and flight response figured out what to do. Eventually... I slowly stood up and peeked over the sink into the mirror again. My face was back, and the figure was gone. Okay, that's not right. Even for my life, I told my reflection. Another thing to talk to Sumer about, I guess. 
I walked out of the bathroom and got dressed, then told Suma I was ready. I was nervous, thinking I would see a figure again after being summoned, but I didn't. Instead, it was normal. I disappeared and watched the world turn black, then suddenly reappeared on Suma's world at Mosia. Jake, are you okay? You didn't answer for a long time, I, and I couldn't summon you, Suma said, repeating herself from earlier. I don't know. I saw that flaming guy again, once in my dreams, and once when I looked in the mirror. Did he hurt you? Suma asked. No, he just spoke to me, and uh, no, actually, he did hurt me. He showed me something, but, but I couldn't make sense of what it was. It seemed like memories, but uh, they were distorted and fragmented. It, it burned. I'm so sorry, Jake. Do, do you need healing? She offered. No, I'm okay now, Suma. We need to find out what that thing is. We will. Maybe someone on our new team or in Antonella will know, she suggested. Right, I exclaimed, and started to look around. We were in a city, from my point of view. It seemed as large as the one we were in last, but I really couldn't tell. Is this it? I asked. Yes, Jake. Welcome to Antonella, the Shield City. Shield City? Why is it called that? This is the main point of defense between the rest of Sangu Dragon, our continent, and the Southern Union forces of the island of Sangu, remember? I thought your country was called Ambos. It is, but there are three other nations on our continent. Oh, right. So, where are we supposed to go now? I wondered. The base we were ordered to report to is north of here. It is not too far. I thought that we should arrive together. Suma said and landed on my shoulder. Jericho, my armor, wasn't on at the moment, so she just clung to my shirt. When we arrived at the base, I knew it wasn't like our training camp at all. There was a huge stone wall surrounding the entire camp with familiars of all kind perched along the walls like mounted turrets or gargoyles, and Niema flying around in the sky higher than I've ever seen a Niema fly. In fact, I didn't even know what they were. Suma had to tell me. All I could make out was the small dark spots in the orange sky. This is uh, quite different than I was expecting, Suma said. Really? Is it a military base after all? I said, looking around. Hold! A voice called out, and Yema flew down in front of us, then summoned his familiar, while still in the air, and landed on it. Who are you? she asked. I am Suma, and this is my familiar, Sentinel. We are reporting for duty with the Drakes, ma'am. Suma said, Show me your official documents. Yema demanded. I pulled a small wooden plank out of my bag. I had been holding on to them since it was easier for me to carry it. She used manner wrapping to take the plank from us and examine it. All right, then. Proceed to the main office for your orders and accommodations. She floated the plank back to me and I put it away. As we were walking away, I heard her say something. So that's a Viking. As he walked to the office as instructed, we passed several buildings made of vines, stone, and some that seemed to be built directly into the surrounding landscape's trees and hills. We also passed several Niema in a group. They were perched on sculpted vines that formed a circle around two of them. The one in the center of the circle were surrounding themselves with some kind of magic fog. It looked similar to the fog I made when that virum attacked me. Suma, what's that? I asked and pointed at the group. Oh, that is a game, and a rather tasteless one, she said. What do you mean? They are creating displays. It is a way of flaunting your magical prowess. Whomever can create the larger display wins, and the winner goes up against the next opponent. It gives progressively harder to maintain your display with time. So people with large mana capacities and good control will last longer, she explained. What's it called? I do not know the proper name, 
I've heard it called many things, Mana Circle, Power Player, Display Dominant, and a few other ruder versions. After watching them for a bit, we left and found the main office. End of chapter. Chapter 2. Jake's Point of View. The main office was huge, as a large royal citadel or a grand sanctum back in Sumer City. Zack Ashnam. It was shaped different, but it has similar features, like the halls that the Niema would fly through, large spires, and guards surrounding it. Its differences, however, were what told the real story of this place's purpose. It was surrounded by walls, patrolled by Niema and their familiars. On top of the spires were carvings and runes. I didn't know what they did, but probably something bad. Just like when we tried to enter the citadel, we were stopped and questioned. But this time, they also demanded to see our tablets. I showed them, and we were let through. Suma, do all of your world cities have citadels like this? I wondered as we walked in. Only the largest ones. Most make do with lesser sanctums or royal embassies. Small towns and villages are lucky to even have temples. From the names, I figured those were just smaller versions of what I had already seen, so I didn't ask any more about it. Instead, I wondered about something more relevant. Do you know what we are supposed to do exactly? I can't read the tablet thing, so... All it said was that we should present ourselves for inspection and assignment. Beyond that, I do not know. I hope it's not anything weird or too formal. I don't even own a suit, I joked. A suit? Suba asked. It's like a, uh... Uh, actually, never mind. Don't worry about it. It's not important. We finally arrived at what was effectively the main desk and asked for directions. The Niema showed us some markings on our tablet and told us that the room that we were to go to would have those same markings. Then the Niema pointed us in the right direction. I'll fly ahead and try to find it, Jake, Suma said and spread her wings. Um, I don't think that's a good idea. I said, stopping her with remembering what happened last time she left me alone in a place like this. Why not? She asked. Let's just say I don't want a repeat of last time. Last time? I'll tell you about it later. Let's just stay together for now, okay? Well, um, all right, she said, settling back onto my shoulder. It took a while, but eventually we did find the room with matching numbers. Like all rooms here, it was made of stone and wood, with sculpted vines acting as a door. The markings were engraved into the stone part of the hallway. We entered and saw an empty room. I suppose that we're the first ones to arrive, Suma said, and made herself a perch, then softly landed on it. I guess so. I looked around. The floor was stone, and so were two of the four walls. The two on the east and west halves of the room. The north and south halves were walls made of wood, and so was the ceiling. The room itself was basically just a large square with vines strewn along the floor randomly. I took a cue from Suma and molded some of them into a seat and sat down. A while passed before another Niema finally showed up and made himself a perch. Hello, Suma said. Greetings. Uh, is this the correct room for meeting the Drake Brigade? He asked. Yes. At least I believe it is, Suma said. Oh, we're supposed to have our familiars summoned. I wasn't made aware of any such rule. Oh, uh, this is Jake. He's my friend. Hey, nice to meet you, I said. He seemed surprised. His feathers raised for a moment and his body pulled back. No, he did not, he started. You didn't know I could speak. Yeah, I get that a lot, I laughed. It was actually starting to get kind of funny. Over the next hour, two more Niema showed up. Of the three others, two of them had names when they arrived. The other was designated nine on his official summons. 
Apparently, that meant that there were already eight other nameless Niema on our team. The two others were called Odins and Ro. Odins was the tallest Niema in the room, standing at about four inches higher than Suma, and his feathers were a very light blue, with hints of darker reds and browns, and the tips of his wings. He had no gold or jewels, but that might have been because some kind of military rule. Ro was almost the same height as Suma, but she seemed leaner. Her beak was less rounded, and her wings came to a sharper point at the ends. There were touches of white around the head's feathers, and sparkles less brightly than the others, with the sole exception of Nine. Nine was darker in color than the others by a lot. His color was more of a royal blue, and he lacked the sparkle that every other Niemma had been seen so far possessed. Nine was also the shortest in the room by about an inch, and had a rounder wingtips. We made introductions, and that got shocked that I could talk. And then finally, our handler arrived, Lieutenant Datahu. She was completely different from the others, for starters. She was white, not blue. And unlike the nuns I had met in the temple, she didn't even have a tinge of blue in her feathers. Instead, she was white with a light grey tipped feathers on her wings, and dark grey tips on her head. She was about two inches taller than Suma, but something about her exaggerated that. She had two golden squares on her chest which I think meant that she was a lieutenant. Maybe. I'm still not 100% sure how their military symbols reflect their ranks. With her, she carried several gold objects suspended with manner, rapping. Hello, everyone, she announced as she landed. I am Second Lieutenant Datahu. You may refer to me as ma'am or lieutenant. I trust that you have all had time to get acquainted, so I'll skip introductions for now. Lieutenant Datahu looked over at me, you must be Sentinel. I will speak to you in a moment, but first, this. She manipulates the golden pin so that they floated in front of each of the Niamh. Privates, these are your rank emblems. While you are on base or operating within our kingdom's territory, you will wear them. They are your life. They are your family. Do not lose your family. If you are caught without them, you will be punished. You may wear them wherever you want, but they must be placed in the correct orientation, and they must be visible from the front. She carefully attached each of the pins to the Nehemiah. Now that my introduction speech is over, follow me. End of chapter. Chapter 3 Hello, everyone, she announced as she landed. I am Second Lieutenant Datahu. You may refer to me as ma'am or lieutenant. I trust that you have all had time to get acquainted, so I'll skip introductions for now. Lieutenant Datahu looked me over. You must be sent now. I'll speak to you in a moment. But first, this. She manipulated the golden pin so that they floated in front of each of the Neymar. Privates, these are your rank emblems. While you are on base or operating within the kingdom's territory, you will wear them. They are your life. They are your family. Do not lose your family. If you are caught without them, you will be punished. You may wear them wherever you want, but they must be placed in the correct orientation, and they must be visible from the front. She carefully attached each of the pins to the Neymar. Now that my introduction speech is over, follow me. She spread her wings and started flying towards the exit. Before stopping and hovering for a moment, she turned to me. Sentinel, we will be flying quite a distance. Your master can simply summon you once we have arrived. Please wait here. Sure, I said and sat back down. They all flew away and closed the vine door behind them. I ended up waiting for about ten minutes for them to summon me. Well, I did. I pulled out the sheet of paper Suma had helped me write. On it was, as she called it, the rules of magic. While she travelled for three days to the city, I had asked her for more information about magic, and she took the time to explain. I made sure to write down as much as I could. 
Actually, I typed it all out and printed it off later, but whatever. Whenever I had a few moments, I made sure to study it. There are a few different types of magic, rituals, rites, and spells, all drawn from the same source. But they are accomplished through different means. Rituals are complicated magical events that require a minimum of two mages to perform. They are used to apply some measure of extreme control over an object, person, or environment, often with supernatural or unusual effects that normal spells can't achieve. They are semi-permanent, but can be undone with great knowledge and effort. This time of magic requires the most amount of energy to perform, and usually takes a significant amount of time. They also apparently require expensive magical components to perform. I guess it's essentially some combination of rites and spells being performed individually, but I didn't really understand that one too well. Rites are more of a cross between a ritual and a spell. They only need a single cast to perform, but often take a good bit of mana with sometimes magical components. A rite allows a caster to take more control of something than a spell would, but in return it takes longer to cast. Suma said that the bonding I did with my weapons as a good example of rites. She also said it included summoning, domination, and curses. Spells were the ones she didn't need to explain much to me. They're quick and easy to perform magical events that require minimum energy and are usually only performed by a single mage. They're used for everything from day-to-day chores to battlefield attacks. I guess spells make up most of all the magic most people do. Honestly, I just assumed that they were all spells and like different subtypes, but apparently not. Just as I was about to read the section on magical artifacts again, Suma summoned me. I appeared in a large cavern-like place, but made entirely of vines and molded stone. In the room was about twenty-nine niema of various sizes and colors. Most were shades of blue, then there was a second lieutenant who was white, and then there was Odin's and Ro. Good, now that everyone is here, we can begin, Second Lieutenant Datahu said. She flew up and perched on the molded stone column near the front of the room. Beside her were eight other Niema, each with what I figured was high-ranking symbol pins of their own. Among the Niema was the Major from the boot camp. Greetings, everyone. I am Major in charge of the Drake Brigade. I am the highest commanding officer in charge of your team and my job is to oversee the entirety of this operation. You'll be organized into four squadrons, each commanded by a captain and a lieutenant. You will receive your orders from them and your missions from me. As part of the king's armed forces, you'll be sent to many dangerous locations, and as part of the tricks, you'll be expected to accomplish the impossible. Each of your squadrons will be mostly comprised of battle mages, your familiars, and one healing mage. Only a single healing mage, Suma said over our private connection. That seems dangerous. The reason for this is due to the nature of our operations. The drakes rely mainly on stealth and RARR tactics. That is, rapid assault and rapid retreat, the major said. Hit and run style guerrilla warfare, I thought to myself. RARR tactics require small squadrons moving quickly and covertly to accomplish their missions. You will be sent behind enemy lines. Most of your missions will be without backup and you could be gone for months at a time on missions if needed. We are now going to break you up into your squadrons. The captains will call your names and number. If you hear your name and number, go to the captain that called it. They will be in charge of your squadron. I wish you all safety, luck, and most importantly, success. The major ended his speech, and the first of our four captains began calling out names. Suma and I were in the third squad, which was led by Captain Gagolas and Second Lieutenant Datahu. End of chapter, chapter 4
I wish you all safety, luck, and most importantly, success. The Major ended his speech, and the first of our four captains began calling out names. Sumer and I were in the third squad, which was led by Captain Gagodis and Second Lieutenant Datahu. Second Lieutenant Datahu flew up to me and the Major's speech. Santo, it is time to talk, she said. Yes, ma'am. How can I help you? I asked. You have chaos magic. By royal decree, we will be giving you a specialized training to allow you to utilize your skills to their fullest. This will be on top of your training along with the other new members. More training? I thought that boot, uh, I mean, the camp was already trained for us. I asked, confused. If you were going to be a normal soldier, then yes, the camp would have been sufficient. But this team is going to be behind enemy lines. You need to be ready for that. Besides, even by standards of a normal soldier, you fall short. What? But I thought your ability to use chaos magic granted you and your master a place on this team. But I will not allow a single untrained mage to put the rest of the drakes in danger. I, uh, I understand, I said solemnly. What kind of training will it be? As I understand it, you completely lack an understanding of fundamentals, correct? She asked. I, um, yes. That's fair. Then I will start here. After you have completed your team training and live fire exercises, you will report to the private tutoring with the specifically chosen mage theory instructor we have selected. Yes, ma'am. After our talk, Captain Gagolus brought our team together and led us to our quarters. Well, the Niamh's quarters. Antonel, you are technically a familiar, so we did not know any special accommodations that you may need. Until we can find a more permanent solution, you will simply return home after training rather than staying here. Captain Gagolus explained. Excellent. Now, everyone will have one day to get settled. Specialized stealth team combat and aerial evasion training starts tomorrow. With that, the captain and lieutenant left us to get settled in. I didn't know that they meant by the first because nobody was carrying anything. They're all birds, after all. But one by one, everyone started summoning large chests and boxes of supplies. The floor filled with one magic circle after the other until everyone, even Suma, had summoned at least two boxes of materials. We didn't need to make introductions because everyone who was on our team was the Emma that we met earlier in the waiting room. Odin's, Ro, Suma, Nine, and Little Lieutenant, and finally the Captain. Once everything was summoned, I watched as they started to use mana rafting to position everything where they needed or wanted around their beds, nests, slash whatever you call them. Jake, would you mind helping me? Suma asked while she carefully moved some kind of brown fabric from a box on her nest. Sure, no problem, I said and took it out from her as she stopped the mana wrapping. Thank you, Jake. Fabric is more difficult for me than the solid objects. I find rolling it up tightly helps keep it stable, Rose said, and picked up a neatly rolled tube of cloth and ran a wrapping around before laying it in his nest. I'll have to try that next time, Suma said. Jake, would you just lay that on my roost for me? Roost? I should have guessed. I thought and laid the fabric down, carefully spreading it out the way I thought it would be more comfortable. So, uh, does anyone need help getting settled in? I offered. I could use some help lifting a sack, Odin said. I picked it up for him and noticed that it was kind of heavy and pretty big too. At least as tall as Odin's was and a third a meter wide. Well, uh, what's in this? I asked. My favorite seeds. I wasn't sure I'd be able to get them out here, so I brought them along enough to last a few months. These grow the best Iggy fruits. 
he explained. I helped everyone unpack, and we all talked a bit, too. They learned Suma was their healing mage, and I was a chaos mage user, which freaked them out a bit at first. Then they all started talking about themselves. Rao and Odin's were cousins. They volunteered together a year ago, and were both battle mages. Odin specialized in fire and lightning types of energy magic, while Ro specialized in water and plant type magic. Nine was a sport mage who used soul magic, specifically memory and illusion. What are your specialties, Jake? Nine asked. You do chaos magic, right? You must have a pretty incredible one. Uh, well, I don't really have one, I don't think. I kind of just use whatever I need to, you know, I said. Well, you must be better at one of the forms than others, Odin theorized. I guess I'm pretty good with fire magic, I offered, but my affinity is for inversion. But does that mean that your fire is cold then? Ro asked. What do you mean? The flames your magic produces, are they cold? Because of the inversion, I mean. I don't think so. I've definitely melted stuff before, I said. Having been close to his flames on several occasions, I can assure you that they are quite warm, almost unbearably so. Shoma interjected. I did turn flames cold once, though, I added. I put some manor into a fire rune and it froze what I was trying to heat up. So your flames are cold ones, then, Odin said. Well, no. What happened was my inversion manner affected the rune, and that's why the flames were cold, I explained. Did you not tell me that you also turned the magistrate's flames cold, Jake? Shuma asked. Oh, yeah. I guess that's two times, then. Are you sure you don't have cold flames? Yeah, it sure sounds like you might, Rose said jokingly. I laughed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. My inversion doesn't affect my own spells, just others. Have you ever tried? Nine asked. Well, actually, no. No, I haven't. I've never really occurred to me. I said surprised at my own oversight. You should try it during training. Nine suggested. End of chapter. Are you sure you don't have cold flames? That sure sounds like you might. Ro jokingly said. I laughed. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. My inversion doesn't affect my own spells. Just others. Have you ever tried? Nine asked. Well, actually no. No, I haven't. I've never really occurred to me. I said surprised at my own oversight. You should try it during training, Nine suggested. Huh. Maybe I will, I said. After talking, I asked Suma to send me back home for a bit. Are you sure, Jake? She asked. Yeah. I told my mum I would call her after we arrived and got set up, I explained. Okay. I'll see you tomorrow morning. With that, she sent me back home and I called my mum. The phone rang for a moment and I heard the voice. Hello. Hi, mum, I said. Oh, Jake. How was the base? Did you finish getting settled in? She asked sweetly. Yeah, we arrived a few hours ago, and I had a kind of assembly with everybody. They split us up and assigned us to teams before having everyone unpack. Oh, that's good. How's Suma settling in, then? She's good. We did find out that she was going to be the only healer on our team, though, so she's a bit nervous about that. What? Why is she the only one? It seems unsafe. Well, uh... We're a small team, only about six total, so I guess they figured that we wouldn't need more than one, I theorized. Anyway, we spent an hour setting up her things in the team's room. Then she sent me back for the night. We are having training tomorrow, so I'm probably going to go get some sleep early tonight. What will you do until then? Uh, I don't know. Probably just make some dinner and watch a movie. Okay, Jake. That reminds me, you got a letter yesterday. It was sent via by mistake. 
Who's it from? It's from the HMRC, she said. Revenue and customs. Why did they send me a letter? I asked. Well, I don't know. I didn't open it. Ha! Huh. Actually, there was an issue with my bank a while back. Maybe it's about that. I'll come pick it up later today, okay? Much later, because I have my dominoes group tonight at five. I looked at the clock on my phone, 3.48. I can be over in about 20 minutes. Do you need anything while I'm out? I asked. Maybe some bread, dear. Whole wheat and with raisins, if you could find it. Okay, see you in a bit. Bye-bye, she said, and I hung up. Seven minutes later, I was walking around the store. Raisin bread, raisin bread, raisin bread. I chanted as I searched. Raisin. The sounds of flapping cut me off, and I turned around to see what was. What the? I looked around the empty aisle for a few seconds before chalking it up to a trolley passing by. Finding the bread, I put it into my basket. Then Amboss landed on my shoulder. Do you remember the first time you gave me bread, Zachariah? Amboss laughed. He sea-colored feathers ruffling as he thought about it. Of course I do, I laughed. You acted as if it was nectar of the heavens. And this bread must be even better. It has those delicious raisins in it as well. We both lost as we remembered, until someone came and tapped me on the shoulder. Sir, are you okay? The store employee wondered. Suddenly, I forgot what was so funny, and who I was talking to. Uh, yeah, I... Uh, I'm fine. Excuse me. I said with my head filled with fog. I left the store and the bread behind and went out and sat in my car with the door open. Suma! Suma, something's... Uh, something's not! I said, trying to contact her, but my head was spinning and throbbing too much for me to focus. Suma! Can you hear me? I said, and fell to the ground. That was the last thing I remembered for a while. End of chapter Chapter 6 Sir, are you okay? A store employee wondered. Suddenly, I forgot what was so funny and who I was talking to. Uh, yeah, I'm... I'm fine. S excuse me. I said with my head full of fog. I left the store and the bread behind, then went out and sat in my car with the door open. Suma! Suma, something's not... I said, trying to contact her, but my head was spinning and throbbing too much for me to focus. Suma! Can you hear me? I said and fell to the ground. That was the last thing I remembered for a while. Sometime later, I woke up with a throbbing pain in my head and a bright light in my eyes. Ah! I groaned. Mr. Vandal, you're awake. Excellent. Are you okay? A voice said. My head hurts, I said. What, uh, what happened? I moaned as I slowly opened my eyes. I tried moving around, but that only made the pain in my head worse. So I stopped. It seems you fell and hit your head, sir. What's the last thing you remember? The voice came close enough to see that it was coming from a doctor. Where am I? I is this a hospital? I wondered. Yes, sir. You collapsed getting into your car. A store employee called 999 for you, the doctor said. My mama. I was going to go see her, I said. My mind in a confused fog. Yes, sir. We already contacted her. She's on her way now, the doctor said. Mr. Vandal, do you have any idea what may have caused your collapse? It was the flaming man. The figure of flame. He did this. I said, and at the time not realizing what I was saying. Hallucinations, he may have had head trauma, the doctor said. At first, I thought she was talking to me, but after the fog left my brain, I realized that she was probably talking to a nurse who was somewhere that I couldn't see. Schedule a CT and Psycheval. I don't remember much of what happened for the next ten minutes, mostly because of the haze. 
partially because it was just the doctor talking to the nurse about how I was probably on drugs and I needed a tox screen. Soon, my mum burst into my room crying. She passed the doctor and nearly knocked her over and hugged me. Jake, thank goodness you're okay. What happened? Are you hurt? What happened? Mum screamed as tears ran down her face. She hugged me so hard I heard something pop, and not in a good way. In a cry-a-pain kind of way, which is exactly what I did. Ah, Mum, my back! I yelped. Mum turned to the doctor. What happened to him? The doctor, who was rubbing her shoulder after having been knocked into the wall by a charging bull that was my mum, answered. We aren't sure yet. He fell unconscious and may have hit his head. He was delirious when he woke up. He was talking about a flaming man. Mum's eyes went wide and then she looked at me confused and worried, but soon her eyes narrowed and I felt my butt cheeks pucker when I realized that she realized what I didn't want her to ever figure out. I was keeping things from her. She turned back to the doctor with a mask of friendliness and pleasantness draped over her true feelings. Thank you for taking care of him. How long will the tests take? Um, about six hours total, the doctor answered. Thank you. I'll wait here with him, Mum told her. As soon as the doctor and nurse left, Mum's mask came off. Jake? Yeah? I asked nervously. Who was the flaming man? A cold calm dripped in her voice the likes of which I hadn't heard since the time she caught me smoking in high school. I knew that eerie calm meant bad things. Um, nobody, Mum. I was just having a bad dream and was... Jake. She looked at me with a glare of almost begged me to try and lie to her. Sometimes my Mum is really unnerving. Okay, so I met this guy. He did something to my head and I'd been seeing things, but this was the first time I've passed out, I confessed, talking quite quickly. Suma's point of view. I was in my roost, nearly asleep, when I heard a voice. It was far away, but calling to me. It sounded like Zachariah, my familiar. I flew towards the voice and the soaring high in the sky, and the voice was growing louder as it called out for me. Amboss! Amboss! Finally, I saw Zachariah. He was practicing in a field with his sword, like always. I landed on a rock next to the small sapling and talked to him. Hello, Zachariah. I said, Hello, Amboss. Do you need something? The royal cult wants to see us. To scold us again, he groaned, then used the reverse summons to send his weapon away. Most likely. But maybe we will get lucky and they'll just kill us instead. Better than sitting through another of their long-winded lectures, he joked. Do you know what it is about? Do you really need to ask? I wondered. Let me guess. They once again disagree with how I use my magic in battle. He shook his head. We are at war. Does it really matter how the enemy dies, as long as they do? I believe that they are more concerned with the new spell that you used in the last battle, actually. The final one that you used that looked like a cloud of fog, I guessed. I wonder if they'll make it another forbidden spell. He stood up. What do you think, Amboss? Was I wrong to use it? I thought the spell was rather interesting, and your application of it was superb, I answered. You know what I'm asking, Amboss. And you know that I do not care how the enemy dies. Watching them turn on each other like they did, it's what they deserve. Zachariah nodded his head and looked towards the sky for a moment. All right then, let's go get into trouble, Amboss, he said. Yes, let's, I started to say, but was interrupted by yelling, Suma! I jerked awake and saw Nine standing over me. Finally, you're sleepy deeply, don't you? It's time to wake up for training. End of chapter.
I would quickly like to thank the T5 channel members and Patreons. Caspar Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Barky, Lord Azrakal, It's Difficult to Pronounce, Dragzoon WRE, Holly's Sister, Arcadian. Thank you very much.